Welcome to College Street Victory Church. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. So in this first clip, we see Stuart Long as a boxer and uh, because he wanted to be a professional boxer. But along the way, his jaw gets broken and he has to kind of uh, rethink what he wants to do with his life. And so he tells his mom that he wants to go to Hollywood and become an actor. Um, she thinks he's crazy, of course. But he does end up moving to Hollywood and he's pursuing his uh, acting ambitions he also ends up meeting up with his father, who is uh, uh, not the most supportive uh, type of guy, I guess you could say. Um, and Stu has a, a history and a past, so I mean, his dad has all the rights to be a little bit um, pessimistic about uh, what he's doing in Hollywood. But along the way, he meets this girl, and she's Catholic, and um, he, he really wants to date her, and he ends up uh, getting baptized, actually, in the Catholic Church. But something tragic happens in the story of Stuart Long, and that's a motorcycle accident. And uh, it seems tragic at first, but you'll see in the bigger picture, it was actually something that guided him into a much higher purpose and calling for his life. And so uh, there's a scene, actually, where he's sitting with his girlfriend and And this is after his whole accident. And he says, I want to become a priest because he was the kind of guy who was all in. And his mother thinks it's hilarious. And she says, what, for Halloween? And um, but no, he's serious. And he was the kind of guy when he was in, he was all in. And so he ends up going to um, school to become a priest. But along the way, he is diagnosed with this debilitating disease where he basically loses Um, the function of his muscles and this is where things really take a turn and he becomes almost angry with God and there's a scene where he just screams why why and he's in the church and it's just such an emotional real raw scene and but through it all what ends up happening is he um, goes to this school to become a priest he Um, is able to travel and and even speak in a prison, which is a really, really cool scene where he says, you know what, when nobody else cares, when nobody else will take your call, God is always listening to you. And so over the course of time, he ends up actually building a relationship with his dad. Both of his parents end up coming into the faith. And we see this life of Stuart Long just take a turn where you know, he ends up actually becoming a priest. And that's where we'll end this clip. How's everyone doing on this fine Sunday morning? Did you expect to hear Johnny Cash in church this morning? For those of you that saw my story last night, you would have come expecting. But I'm going to remove this because it's annoying. And I only need it for music. So give me one second. If there is water in the building, I would gladly take a glass at this point. Or the, or the water jug works as well. Thank you. That's my beautiful wife. If you can't see, we're matching. We're matching today. 
Well, welcome to week two of Summer at the Theater. This story of Father Stu has gripped me since the time the movie came out. We went to go see it in theaters with friends of ours. And I just remember walking out of that theater and being like, wow, God can really use anybody. Like if he can use Stuart Long, he can use me. And then I was preparing this message. My wife and I had just celebrated 10 years together. Yeah, you can give it up for 10 years. For some of you, that's nothing. You've been together for long, longer than that. But 10 years is a big deal. Uh, statistically, you know, a lot of marriages don't make it 10 years. So we decided to go on a little trip and, and do uh, some recording and do some of the things that we're passionate about. So we just got back from, uh, first of all, Nashville, which is why we have all the fancy hats now. How y'all doing? And then we went to, to Vegas for, for a week just to, to spend some time at the hotel and enjoy the pools and go visit an old ghost town and the desert and all sorts of fun stuff. But throughout the week, I was getting up early and I was working on this message and I was preparing it. And as I was working, God put on my heart, maybe tie in the story of Job because it's a very similar story. And then this morning, Pastor Matt delivered an amazing message to the men for our 7 a.m. service, and he gave us a lot of context about Job. So if you um, get a chance to this week, go and listen to that podcast. It's Lambs to Lions. It'll set up this whole message, and it'll give you a lot more context because it's way too much to get into it all this morning with the movie and the clips. But I'd encourage you, go watch that. It'll set up the whole message, but... I was going to share with you because this wasn't in my notes at all, but then I opened my phone this morning and the verse of the day was so fitting to the message. And it says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. And I'm like, how perfect is that verse of the day? And this is how God always works. Incredible. But anyway, I'm going to start from the beginning the story of Stuart Long, and many of you probably don't even know uh, who he is. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, you wouldn't know. But his name was Stuart Long. He was born on July 26, 1963, to Bill and Kathleen Long. And he grew up in Helena, Montana. Anybody from Montana? I feel like I've never met anybody who's actually from there. I don't know who lives there. Uh, have you? Has anybody met anyone that lives in Montana? Oh, one person. Yeah. <laughs> Montana was our, our neighboring state for many years. We grew up in Alberta. So um, actually, my wife grew up just into Alberta. Montana was like a stone's throw from where you grew up. So anyway, he grew up in Helena, Montana, which was his parents' hometown. And as a kid, Stu was active and social, like most kids are, a fun-loving kid with a certain disregard for rules. Reminds me of Phoenix. We saw him for the first time in two weeks yesterday. And boy, he challenged us more in the first hour than we had been challenged in the last two weeks. Um, but I love, love, love our kids. Um, funny story. He had to pee so bad on the plane, and he was crying and crying and crying. Like, I, I, he had to go. I was, like, ready to get the bottle out and just let him. Um, and finally, this older uh, grandma, she's like, just push through because we were already parked, but everybody's in the aisle. Like, there's nowhere you can go. She's like, just barrel through because your kid's got to go. I'm like, all right, here we go. We just made our way to the front. He had his, um, he did his thing. And then he got to meet the pilot and sit in the co-pilot seat 
And uh, the pilot let him like ring the alarm, like the fire alarm. Jason, you know what I'm talking about. And he got, he got to like actually move the steering wheel. And he, he's like, hey, here's the microphone. You want to talk to all the people in the back? And at that point, he was a little too shy. I was hoping he would say something. But anyway, his emergency turned into a real opportunity. Um, I don't... Um, yeah, where was I going with that? I've got a lot of uh, like little sidetrack little notes from the last two weeks because so much has happened. But anyway, back to uh, the story of Stuart Long. I think I just lost my notes, and uh, but I have some of this stuff memorized. Anyway, Stuart Long was a man who, he grew up, like I said, in Helena, Montana, and his aspirations as a young kid were always to be a boxer. He wanted to be a boxer, and it says that he was actually very athletic, very driven. Um, you know, he had a purpose for his life, and he knew it. And he pursued that until a time came where um, another boxer actually broke his jaw and he had to get surgery. And that kind of like put a, a, a damper on his boxing career. So he decides one day, I'm going to be an actor. And his mom thought he was crazy. And um, she's like, what? Like, you're finally going to figure out what you want to do with your life? Because, you know, he was kind of known to, to kind of go back and forth. But anyway, he ends up moving to Hollywood and uh, pursuing this career in acting, um, never really makes it into anything big. He does some acting gigs. Um, but over the course of his time there, he meets this girl. Um, now that I have my notes back, I'm going to backtrack a little bit, because there's a lot here, guys. I don't want to miss anything. Back to his boxing days. So when he would train at the gym, this was something that some of his friends remembered about Stu. And I want to give you this context because it's important because it reveals some of the things that, that um, made his character later on as a priest. But he would, he would train and train and train for two hours straight. And then he'd go for a run. And then when his friends would ask him um, how long, he would, he would respond with, until I can't, and then I'm going to walk. And I love that line because that really, when you watch the movie, that's portrayed in his later years when he's diagnosed with the illness and he keeps going and he keeps pursuing the things that God had for him right till the very end. So he would run until he couldn't and then he would walk. And later on, he would end up being rolled around in a wheelchair. But beneath his tough exterior, even though he was, like I mentioned, very athletic and very purpose-driven, his sister recalled that he always had a very kind heart. She said this, he was kind and loving to everybody. It's funny how sometimes people say, do the right thing even when nobody's looking. He would do the right thing a lot of times because nobody was looking. And so he acted tough, but underneath it all, he was just one of the most kind human beings. And he was also very generous. And this is how people remembered him as a generous human. Um, again, his sister said, he was very generous even before his conversion to Christianity. Uh, he loved giving thoughtful gifts, even though he didn't have much money. And he had a tendency to give away his own things if he thought someone else could use them. And she remembered this one time. Um, he had a laptop because he needed it for school. And a few months later, he gave it away. And when confronted about doing things like this, he would tell his family someone else needed it more. After high school, Stu attended nearby Carroll College right in Helena, Montana. He majored in English, but his real love was boxing, which he picked up while in college, his dad said. Uh, Stu was a champion boxer, and he actually won the 1985 Golden Gloves heavyweight title for Montana. He thought seriously about going professional until a fighter broke his jaw, 
and Stu had to get reconstructive surgery. And so this is where he changed his mind about boxing. And in 1987, at the age of 24, see, you wouldn't get all these details if I didn't have my notes. I, I memorized that song last night, and that was a challenge to get through and try to remember everything. So there's no way I'm going to memorize all this. Um, so he moves to LA at the age of 24 with the hope of becoming an actor. And so Stu got a few parts in commercials and as an extra in movies, but he was never um, in any big movies. He never landed any big roles, that he, any of the ones that he was fo hoping for, at least. And so, as you saw in the trailer, there's a tragedy that happens in his life. And this happened in 1992. It says, one night he was returning home from work on his motorcycle. Stu was hit by a car. He was knocked down. And then he was run over by another car. Stu had a, con a concussion. Concu sounds like I have a concussion. Uh, sorry. <laughs> if, if you knew me, you would get my dry humor. It's very dry. Um, you just have to laugh. Laugh with me. I watched The Office, and therefore... Um, he had a concussion, and he had brain swelling, and one of his ankles was broken, so it was his nose, and he had road, uh, road rash, cuts, bruises all over his body. And his sister actually recalls the doctors thinking that he wouldn't make it because he was in really, really rough shape. But he did, and which is a miracle in and of itself. But that's kind of when everything started for him. Um, as you saw in the trailer again, that's kind of where he started shifting and he started looking at what is the greater purpose? Why am I alive? Like, why, get, why did God save me? And why was I not killed the way, you know, in the natural, I probably should have been. And so he was convinced that he had been spared from death for some reason. And he started asking big questions about life's purpose. He was 30 years old at this point, a new convert, the boxer turned, actor turned, at the time, museum manager, which sounds pretty uh, dry. Um, and not at all like the other things that he did. I mean, you go from boxing to acting to managing a museum, but again, sometimes God takes you into those quiet places to kind of reveal what he wants to do. So I think it was for a purpose. Um, so anyway, on the day of his baptism, and this is really cool because we know the power of baptism and we've seen it here time and time and time again. People get baptized and something is revealed to them or they might be healed or something miraculous happens through the power of baptism. And he actually, he, he remembers the time, you know, when he got baptized and, and this was at an Easter vigil in 1994. And all of a sudden he has this strong conviction that God was calling him to be a priest right during his baptism. And at first, you know, like all of us do when we feel called to something greater than, you know, and especially things that scare us, um, he thought the notion of priesthood would fade, but it always came back. And so he had undergone this radical conversion, but his big, his go big or go home attitude had not changed. And so he determined that if he was going to be a Catholic, he was going to be a priest. <laughs> I love that. I love that. He was all in. Didn't matter if he was all in here, he was all in here, Right. We see that in the Bible over and over. He also reminds me of Paul, the story of Paul. All in here, all in here. Radical conversion makes all the difference. So again, as we saw in the first clip, people around him thought that he was crazy. In fact, his mom thought he was like, and again, that's dramatized in the movie, but I love where she says for Halloween, like she thinks it's a big joke because his parents, you have to remember, they're not saved. Like they're not 
part of the church. Like, they don't get what's going on. And so even his girlfriend thought that he had lost his mind because if you watch the movie, you'll see, like, that meant that he would have to stay unmarried and wouldn't be able to have a family or a wife, right? So he was um, making some sacrifices, which we're going to talk about right after this next clip. So let's take a look at our next clip. So in this next clip here, we see Stuart Long with his girlfriend actually working in the church. And it's really cute because they're surrounded by kids and uh, they're talking about what they're going to give up. And uh, she says, well, I'm going to give up chocolate. And he says, um, no, she needs sweetening. And uh, it's really cute. But then he is asked, what are you willing to give up? And he jokingly says, you know, well, maybe I should give up you kids. Um, that way I could sleep in on Sunday mornings. But in all honesty, he kind of thinks about it and he says, alcohol. I love that. Mark Wahlberg, by the way, he personally invested all of the money to produce this movie. It was not a big, big company. He had sat down. Um, as you know, Mark Wahlberg is is Catholic and you know he prays regularly. And he had sat down with this priest um, at one point and this guy had shared the, the story of Stuart Long and Father Stu, and he said it gripped him so much that he decided that he wanted to portray him. He did all of the training to get really fit and then kind of lose all that. He did so much, and he personally invested all of the finances to make this movie come to life. So he was very passionate about the story of Father Stu, which, again, you can tell in the acting in the movie, he's very passionate about the character which is what I love about Mark Wahlberg. When he's in, he's all in, kind of like Father Stu. Anyway, um, I love that scene, though, because it's talking about sacrifice. And, you know, he's kind of joking around. But in the end, he says, you know what? I'm going to give up alcohol because he knew down the road, if he was going to be in this, he was going to have to give up some things. And so I want to talk about some of those things today. But I have three questions for you guys that I want to cover during the course of this message and the very first question I want to ask, and these are all self-reflection questions, not just for you, but for myself as well. When I was writing these, I'm like, man, these are deep. I would encourage you to write them down, take notes, and write down some of the things that God reveals to you today through the message, through the scripture. Uh, the notes should be, I don't know if you guys already had the QR code come up. There are notes on there that you can follow. Maybe just throw them up there one more time. If people do want to get the notes, you can follow along on version. Did you have them? No? That's okay. Um, we, can, we can make them available later. Question number one, write them down. This is an opportunity for you. Can't just lean on the notes. Take your own notes. All right. Question number one, what am I willing to sacrifice in order to fulfill God's call on my life? What am I willing to sacrifice? You see, sacrifice on our part makes room for provision on God's part. And it might look like a sacrifice in the season, but he's always going to bless you with so much more than you originally gave up. And I can guarantee you, he's going to bless you with something a whole lot better than the things that you thought you needed to hold on to. I'm talking from experience. I've given up things in my life that at the time seemed important to me until I gave them up and he blessed me with something so much better. Sometimes not things that I would have even asked for. Maybe things I didn't even know I needed. And then he blessed me with those things and I'm forever grateful for that. Romans 12 verse 1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So as we saw in the clip, 
God was working on Stu's heart, and Stu was starting to let go of some of the things he knew were unhealthy for him. Now, for Stu, sacrifice would eventually mean giving up marriage in order to become a priest, you know, giving up some of those things that he obviously wanted. Now, his example is extreme. God's not going to call, you know, each and every one of us to give up marriage or family. But in his case, that's what he felt like he was being called to do. But I think we should all be asking ourselves, what would we be willing to give up for the calling God has on our lives? You know, he does talk about giving up house and home and even family for his name's sake and how much blessing is tied to that. Napoleon Hill said this, great achievement is usually born of great sacrifice and is never the result of selfishness. I love that. Now, I think often we think of sacrifice as material things, relationships, opportunities, or even finances, which can be one of the harder things to sacrifice. And now, yes, there is a time to give up certain things like that and make sacrifices to make room for what God wants to do. But as I was writing this teaching, something stood out to me as I was reading through Psalms 51. And in verse 17, it says this, the sacrifice you desire, this is speaking to God, and he says this, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. That's beautiful. He's not talking about opportunities or money. He says the sacrifice that pleases him is a broken spirit. He will not reject a repentant heart. It says going through the motions, this is in the message version. I love this. Going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart-shattered lives ready for love don't for a moment escape God's notice. That's the same verse, just in the message, and it just breaks it down a little bit more. But I think more than anything, God wants us to give him our whole heart. That's what he's after. He's after our heart. In fact, he said David, who wrote many of the Psalms, was a man after God's own heart. And I think it's because he had a repentant heart. He made a lot of mistakes. He did a lot of wrong. But what happened? Every time he'd come back and say, God, I repent, forgive me. And he'd always, you know, renew, create in me a clean, a new heart, a clean spirit. You know, like he was repentant. And I think that's what made his heart like the father's heart was that repentance. And I think more than anything, like I said, God wants us to give him our whole heart, even when it's in pieces. He'll take those pieces and he'll make something beautiful out of that too. And you see this change in Stu after his baptism. Oh, that's my alarm. I'm out of time. (laughs) No, (laughs) kidding. After his baptism, he begins to change and his heart begins to turn from the matters of the flesh to the matters of God. And he begins to feel this strong call to priesthood. And that's exactly what he pursues. He ends up going to study at Mount Angel Seminary in Oregon. And during his time at Mount Angel Seminary, Stu started experiencing some physical problems. Doctors first thought that he had polymyositis, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Any doctors in the house, feel free to correct me. A treatable condition, which they thought at first was treatable. He was hopeful about getting the problem resolved and resuming back to normal life. But when they started treatment, 
it became clear to his doctors that he had something else. And this was inclusion body myositis, which is a rare progressive muscle disorder similar to Lou Gehrig's disease. And inclusion body myositis causes weakening of muscles throughout the body, resulting in a loss of mobility and strength. And it affects walking, writing, lifting, gripping, even swallowing. And it it progressively gets worse until performing even basic daily activities becomes impossible. And the condition has no cure other than a miracle. There is no treatment to slow its ravaging effects on the body. And Stu had tried to be hopeful at first. He could look um, into experimental treatments, he thought, and maybe if he could slow it down, some kind of cure would be developed someday. But as time went on, it was hard to remain optimistic. Now, one of the One of the guys that he was working with at the time, a priest, Father Bart, he said this, there was another change in Stu after his diagnosis. It was like someone had flipped a switch and given Stu a whole new kind of determination, especially to live the faith. After he was diagnosed, Stu lived with a kind of urgency. Father Bart remembered that he seemed to realize his time was short and every moment mattered. If people asked you to talk with them or to meet with them, whether it was 2 a.m. or 6 p.m., the answer was always yes. If he promised to pray for a special intention for someone, it wasn't just a vague promise. He would stop what he was doing and pray, sometimes aloud and always with an expectation that God would hear and answer his prayers. He moved on to become a deacon. He was an ordained as a deacon in December of 2006. But despite his determination, it seemed that it might be the end of the road for him and that he might never become a priest, that he might have to just remain a deacon. Uh, Seminary formators had raised serious questions about whether Stu's health made him suitable for priestly ministry. Stu might remain a deacon forever rather than be ordained a priest. And when he heard the news, he was crushed. It was rock bottom for him. And knowing what he had been through, (laughs) rock bottom was like, this was rock bottom. Can you imagine that? Like not being able to become a priest. And that's his rock bottom. It just shows the level of determination that he had at that point in his life to live the faith to the fullest. And although he still believed he could be healed, Stu had accepted the call. He knew the disease would claim his life but that it would be for Christ and for the church. He had difficult days, and the biggest burden of his suffering was yet to come, but he had a peace and acceptance that lasted for the rest of his life. So my second question that I have for us today is, who will I lean on when faced with adversity? Who will I lean on? God's word says there will be storms. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. John 16.33. And we see that in his life. He had that peace about him. It says that he, he was prayed over and he, he, he was still believing for a miracle in his life. 
But he also realized that this disease might claim my life. But through all that, he had peace, just like the verse says. Because he knew, even he knew that the disease might take him out, but that wasn't going to kill his soul. That wasn't going to kill his determination to live life to the fullest. And nobody else can claim that they have overcome the world except Jesus. Nobody else. And that's why the only way we can, the only one that we can lean on when everything else crumbles is Jesus. When we lean on a program or we lean on our bank accounts or we lean on even relationships, they will crumble eventually. But Jesus is the only one who can say, I have overcome the world. So lean on Jesus. That's my point. There's a famous quote by Corey Ten Boom who helped save hundreds of Jews during the Holocaust. And she said this, you may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. So we need Jesus first and foremost, but we do need each other. We do need each other. You know, the greatest commandment of all is the two greatest commandments are love God, love others. We need Jesus, but we need each other. And you'll see in the movie, uh, many times Father Stu had to lean on the people around him just to make it through another day. So choose Jesus, choose his word, and choose godly people to surround yourself with. That makes all the difference. That way, when the storms come, and they will, you'll be able to stand strong and come out of the other side victorious. So Stu was a deacon, but his desire was to be a priest. And eventually, he received the news that would change his life forever. Bishop George Thomas, who was assigned to Helena while Stu was in the seminary, had decided to ordain a priest, ordain Stu, a priest after all, despite concerns at the seminary. Bishop Thomas told a media source that he had prayed very hard about the question of Stu's ordination. For a period of about a week, maybe even two weeks or so, I just kept begging the Lord for direction. He says, I kept hearing the same message over and over again. And this message was, there is power in suffering, move him forward. There is power in suffering. Move him forward. There is power in suffering. Move him forward. And he heard this over and over and over again. Bishop Thomas heard the Lord, and he remembered, I saw in him a man of considerable holiness and one who would impact the faithful. Talking about Stu. So I decided to respond with a strong yes. Beautiful. Stu was ordained with his good friend, Bart, on December 14th, 2007 at St. Helena Cathedral. The same cathedral that Stu and his childhood friends would use as a shortcut on their way to his grandma's house years before. So they knew the cathedral well. After his ordination, Father Stu was assigned to a little flower parish on the Blackfeet Reservation in Browning, Montana. He had served previously at the parish during a summer as a deacon. And Father Ed, who was a priest there, said he had been there and done that. He knew the ins and outs of the realm of sin. He had a lot of compassion and mercy and understanding and forgiveness in his heart. He wasn't a legalist. You'll see that in the movie. He was the mind and heart of Jesus, and he was a welcoming presence. That was his strength. He recalls when you were with Stu as a priest, you knew you were there with somebody who accepted you. And that is a huge gift to people. So moving forward now in 2010, four years a priest and 
only 46 years old, Father Stu moved into the Big Sky Care Facility in Helena. And his sister Amy recalls one time driving Stu to church as his illness was progressing. And although he struggled to walk at that point, he refused to park directly in front of the church saying, we need to leave that for people who really need it. In all of this, as I mentioned earlier, I was reminded of a man named Job in the Bible. And just to remind you again, go listen to the podcast because Pastor Matt did an incredible job setting up the story of Job for me. Job was a man of integrity that seemingly had it all, but then lost it all. A man that God allowed, allowed, God didn't send all the stuff that came against him, it was the enemy, but God allowed him to walk through the most difficult of circumstances only to redeem him again and show him that no matter what we go through in life, God always has a bigger plan and a bigger purpose than we see or understand. And now Job had every reason to be angry with God, as did fathers too, as we saw in the first clip. But we are not God, and we do not understand his ways. When Job gets to a place in his life where he feels alone, abandoned, and in despair, he starts crying out, searching for answers as to why God would allow him to go through what he went through. He was stuck in a loop of pity for himself. And I think we all would be, after having gone through what he went through, we would probably be in the exact same place. But then God speaks up in Job chapter 38 and gives, and he gives Job this response. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Hear this, brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. This is God speaking to Job. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? That's verses one to seven. I encourage you, read the whole next, read the whole book of Job. Take the next month and read the whole book because it, God's response to Job, and let's remember, Job went through a lot of really, really difficult things. But this is God saying, you may not understand but you are not God. Trust me in my decisions and trust my wisdom because you weren't there when I created all of this. You don't see the bigger purpose. Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55 verse 9. Let's remember that both Job in the Bible and Father Stu were still both human and struggled and wrestled just like we all do. But what I see in both of these men is their unswerving integrity. In fact, Job chapter 1 verse 1 
says, There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from the devil. That's why the devil sought him out. So my third question is, why is it important for me? Again, this is a self-reflection question. Why is it important for me to live a life of integrity? I'd encourage you, live a life worthy of your calling. It will not only impact you, but it will impact those around you, not just for this generation, but generations to follow. I mean, we're still talking about Job. He's long gone. Fathers too. I mean, he's passed away, but we're still talking about him because of their integrity and the legacy they left. Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. But look, God will not reject a person of integrity, nor will he lend a hand to the wicked. He will once again fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. Job 8, 20 to 21. With that, let's take a look at our last clip and wrap it up. So in this final clip here, we see Father Stu, and this is a very emotional scene because he's, uh, he's actually delivering a message and this is kind of just a really raw moment for him going back and kind of um, reminiscing about all the things that led up to this moment and you see an emotional scene a few times throughout this as well where his father is standing around the corner listening and so I thought it would be amazing to just kind of read through some of the things that he says during this sermon so he says that someone once told me I was bad advertising and you know people are kind of laughing and and he says it is a boss of his at the supermarket he says I I kept coming in with a face that looked more like meat than what I was selling and this was part of of his past he had a rough past and he says you know he thought the whole world was wrong when it came to me every brawl I had was um, beating back at a world I thought had done me wrong So he just had a very bitter mindset. He says, every bruise on my face, every drop of blood I shed was proof of my war against God's injustice. I look worse now than I did then. That's for sure. Difference is now I know my suffering is a gift from God. Now he says this and it's kind of funny actually. He says, now I know it sounds like bull, but it's coming from a man in a wheelchair. So you got to entertain it. And people are laughing. And, and this was part of his charisma and his charm. He still, even though he was suffering, he knew how to speak in a language that people could understand. He was real. He was raw. And people connected with him. And he says, hear me out. All our outer nature is wasting away, but our inner nature is being renewed every day. This life, no matter how long it lasts, It is a momentary affliction preparing us for eternal glory. We shouldn't pray for an easy life, but the strength to endure a difficult one. Because the experience of suffering, he says, is the fullest expression of God's love. It is a chance to be closer to Christ. It is such a powerful message that he delivers. And you know, knowing 
what he went through in his life and hearing him say those things, it just makes us, you know, kind of look at ourselves and reflect a little bit on what are some of the sufferings that we have gone through and how um, does our perspective of those sufferings change our view of what God has for us and the reasons why we go through what we go through. So powerful. He says, even Christ had his moment of despair. I'm sure there's extra Kleenex. Oh, I could barely even watch that writing this without tearing up. So Sue, Father Stu celebrated his last mass in late May 2014. He was barely able to get through the prayers and he died June 9th, which is my birthday actually, uh, 2014 at the Big Sky Care Center. His mom and dad and a few close friends were there with him at the end. And his parents, as you saw in some of the clips, his dad, his mom, both of them were very rough around the edges. Um, but towards the end of his life, seeing the way he accepted his suffering, actually both converted to the faith. And I think it was because of what they saw their son go through. I mean, I think for any parent, watching your son go through that would make you realize if he can do it, I think I can become a better person. His friend, Father Bart, said he he hopes that Stu's life is an inspiration for those who feel far away from God. If Stu Long can become Catholic and become a priest, nobody is beyond the love of God, he said. Nobody. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, nobody is beyond the love of God. No matter what sufferings you face or uncertainties you face, God's love is there and God's strength is there. And Stu carried it and Stu embraced it. It wasn't easy, but he did it, and he did it all the way to the end. Even though there were doubts in the very last days, and he was even afraid of those doubts, he shared those with me some years prior, he remembered, but he did it all the way to the end. And I think God can strengthen us all the way to the end, no matter what we have to face. Father Bart said he reminds people frequently that they will have to carry crosses in their life, but they don't have to do it alone. We have access to that grace that Stu had. We have access to that same grace as well. And so whatever sufferings there are, carry them well, because you do it with Christ and you do it for Christ. Job 8 verse 20 to 21 says, But look, God will not reject a person of integrity, nor will he lend a hand to the wicked. He will once again fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. Job 36, 15, but by means of their suffering, he rescues those who suffer, for he gets their attention through adversity, which is the title of today's message. My takeaway for you guys is God may get our attention through our adversity, but he'll release his intention through our integrity. The verse I want to leave you guys with is, yet if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, If you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then, free of fault, you will lift up your face and you will stand firm and without fear. Found in Job 11, verse 13 to 15. I read something really interesting this morning, 
And God's timing is always just right because I thought this would really speak to someone because it spoke to me so much this morning, especially if there's anybody in here and they see the world through a lens of bitterness or hurt. Said this, we don't see things as they really are. We see them as we are. If your heart has been tainted by bitterness and unforgiveness, it is quite possible you see everyone and everything through that tainted lens. But Matthew 5 verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So it's so important to know that a pure heart sees God as he really is, as opposed to a God we've created through our broken experiences. I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you and you have that bitterness or, or anger or hatred or things that you're still holding on to, I would encourage you, make that decision right now to let God create a clean heart within you. And that all begins by having a relationship with him. He's the only one that can really save us. Like I said earlier, he's the only one that, that can actually proclaim, I have overcome the world. And for us to inherit that and have that eternal life and that relationship with him, we need to make a decision. Like Romans 10 verse 9 says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised his son Jesus from the dead and you will be saved. It's as simple as that. It's not a series of classes or hoops or things to jump through. It's like what Father Stu, you know, he was a rough kind of guy and God used him. He'll use each and every one of us. I know we all have different experiences and different stories, but for me personally, my life began the day I confessed Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So if that's you today and you've never prayed that prayer, pray that with me. And if you have prayed it before, pray it again anyway. Just bow your heads, close your eyes, say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I've messed up. I know that I've sinned and I'm in need of a Savior. I believe that you died on the cross for all my sins and you rose again to give us new life. I welcome you now into my life and into my heart. Be Lord over my life and today is a new day with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And if that was you today and you made that decision, that's the biggest decision you're ever going to make. And the next step is walking that out. And we want to help you with that. But if that was you, just shoot your hand up. We want to give you a Bible. We want to pray with you. We want to celebrate with you. Just shoot your hand up high. We'd love to equip you with resources to walk this discipleship walk with you. Thank you so much. The next step that we want to give you is an opportunity to be baptized. And if that's you, whether you said the prayer today or you said the prayer a week or a year, it doesn't matter. We're all called to be baptized when we make that decision. And so if that's you today and you want to be baptized, just come on down during worship. We're going to sing a song uh, that we had written uh, a few months ago called Welcome Home Prodigal. And we thought it would be so fitting uh, to just sing that at the end of the service for you guys Feel free to stand. We're not going to have the lyrics on, on the screen for you guys, but if that's you and you, um, 
you are that prodigal. Just stand at your feet and worship with us anyway. And if you want to get baptized during this song, come on down and we'll baptize you. It's going to be a powerful moment. So just why don't you stand to your feet and let's just worship God through this song. Thank you for tuning in today and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.